0: Knack, knack. Who's there? Uh, yeah, I'd rather not share that with you. Hey, no sweat. Come on in. Make yourself at home and take anything you want. Wait, you wouldn't let a stranger in your house. Why would you let anonymous traffic scrape your website? Introducing IP Info's Privacy Detection API, a fast and simple way to detect malicious traffic. Activate your free trial today at ipinfo.io. And don't forget to use the promo code CODESTORY at checkout.
1: I remember the first like day let's say yeah day or week or even months you know we delivered our solution to the public product hunt and then better list i guess and you know i was so scared because it looked (laughs) ugly and there were like you know a couple of features that's it but immediately we started to get a lot of feedback what we need to deliver, what are the major issues, what are the bugs, what are the uh, biggest challenges of our potential audience. And then you start to understand, okay, uh, who is actually your ideal customer profile? I'm Victoria Dubin. I'm the founder and CEO of Beast.
0: This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries, share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Labhart, and today how Vicky Dubin created the platform for you to go live faster, streamline your approvals, and automate ad versioning. All this and more on Code Story. Vicky Dubin's background is actually in physics and applied mathematics. Prior to graduation, she was a professional tennis player, having played since she was four years old. She loved science and thought it was going to be her future. But post-graduation, she joined a hedge fund while waiting to start on her PhD. She found great joy at the trading desk of the hedge fund, which is how she quit science, and eventually went to venture and entrepreneurship. Outside of tech, she still plays tennis and likes to ski. Prior to her current venture, Vicki and her team had built a tool around creating rich media ads. During the peak seasons for advertisements, she noticed her team having to reject requests due to the fact that they couldn't digest the project with their limited capacity. And there was no tool out there to support digital display ads. This is the creation story of Vust.
1: Vust is a B2B SaaS tool. And the major idea of the tool is bridging the gap between creative and media teams in the digital ad space. So there is a big problem in communication, first of all, and one of the biggest pain points is the delay in campaign launch. It happens all the time. So Views was designed to actually bring designers and marketers together into the shared space in the cloud to seamlessly collaborate, streamline approvals, scale and versioning for A-B testing, keep all their assets in a single place and organized and to go live faster. So previously, we uh, developed a different tool, which was kind of, you know, new kind of uh, rich media ads. And while working on this first idea, during the peak season, we actually had a big challenge of like production challenge. Sometimes we had to reject a new request, just understanding that we cannot digest it because we don't have enough hands on, we don't have designers to simply create ads. And that's how we started to think, okay, how we can fix it. We've done some research and we've realized that there is no an affordable tool for advertisers. So there is Canva, which is great, but there there were no tools for uh, display ads, for instance. Because, you know, display ads, they have a lot of specific uh, features and technical requirements. And that's how we ended up with the idea to basically build something similar to Canva, but for digital display ads.
0: So let's dive into the MVP, that first version of the product you built. How long did it take you to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life?
1: To build your MVP these days, you don't need a big team because, you know, first of all, there are a lot of no-code tools. Secondly, uh, you don't need to hire a big team. You can do it like yourself and probably with a you know co-founder. In my case, it was completely different. Since we found this much bigger market pain while working on the first project, I actually kept working on the first project and simultaneously started to started to think about you know this new idea. The members of my team were brainstorming with me on this new idea. That's why it took us kind of long, you know, to prepare the first prototype in Figma first and then to build the very first version of of this prototype for public. Overall, it took us, I would say, like 10 months. But ideally, you should be able to do this much, much quicker this was probably my mistake, you know, I should probably hire like separate team, like one, two persons, or maybe I should shut down the first project full stop and concentrate all my efforts on this new idea, but I haven't done this. So I would suggest like talking to myself in the past, I would suggest just to stop working the first project and start a new one to save time, to save money, and to be more efficient.
0: When building an mvp you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs around you know tech debt or approach or what features you're going to cut from the original product so tell me about some of those decisions and trade-offs you had to make and how you cope with them
1: you know while thinking of this new idea of course you know you have a vision of a future and a very like solid tool with lots of features and you know very flexible which is applicable for professional teams and not only for consumers, here is a trade-off. So you should prioritize how you're gonna deliver all those features and what is the major pain you're going to solve First of all, you know, as a founder or as a I don't know product creator, you should communicate with your prospects as much as possible. So this is probably should be your major priority, like to have calls, meetings uh, every day, a lot, and presenting your idea first, probably in on a paper, and then your actual uh, working MVP so on one hand we were thinking okay the biggest pain point for instance in our industry is we have a lot of data so we need to create a lot of variations of of the same banner i mean in different sizes for different channels one thing and different variations in terms of design like different background color different copy because we have a lot of data and we can buy the audience the specific audience but in order, you know, to deliver those features, we had to start from the very basic ones, like editing the set of editing features and the set of some, for instance, animations. Maybe if we could concentrate on just one single paint, for instance, resize and start working on this particular feature. And maybe, you know, if we gave up on friendly and cool UI UX and just, you know, delivered very ugly, but working feature of resizing. Maybe we could do more efficient. Maybe we would be more, you know, maybe we could acquire more users organically and much faster. I still don't have an answer because, you know, sometimes it's very difficult to assess in terms of, you know, architecture of the the product. Even though if you have a technical background, even though if you are CTO, for instance, and not like non-technical founder, it's just experimenting. You should create first step. You should make a first step and then go to your audience and test. Should make another step, go to your audience and test and then pivot, pivot, pivot. I don't know. I think there's no secret so There's no an answer. You just need to try maybe like both ways, maybe. If your major pain point could be solved you know, easily, okay, try to concentrate all your efforts on this one. If, you, if you're not sure, okay, just like deliver organically, starting from the very like basic ones, speak and speak and speak and speak to your potential audience.
0: You know, it's a really interesting segue into my next question, you know, talking about feedback from customers. I'm curious how you progress the product from there and matured it. And to kind of wrap that in a box, what I'm looking for is how you built your roadmap and how you went about deciding, okay, this is the next most important thing to build
1: you keep changing your roadmap a lot. I mean, not in terms of, you know, features, like usually you have a fundamental vision, you know, where you want to get and you know, what are the major pain points you're, you're trying to solve, right? So you have kind of understanding of the general architecture of your solution and the major features you want to deliver. But then there are a lot of like small steps in between. And that's why it's very important, you know, to deliver your solution to your potential customers as soon as possible. And I can tell you honestly, like, I remember the first like day, let's say, yeah, day or week or mo- even months, you know, we delivered our solution to the public product hunt and then be- better list, I guess. And, you know, I was so scared because it looked <laughs> ugly and there were like, you know, a couple of features. That's it but immediately we've started to get a lot of feedback what we need to deliver what are the major issues what are the bugs what are the uh, biggest challenges of our potential audience and then you start to understand okay uh, who is actually your ideal customer profile and again when you try to find this ideal client you keep iterating a lot because Initially, okay, we were thinking we are building like a banners factory for small guys, like for small businesses, for, I don't know, solo marketers, like for people who probably don't have a specific design, you know, like experience. So we need to deliver something very simple, user-friendly, but while working with those guys and while uh, acquiring new customers, we started to think, okay, we see more and more professionals joining uh, the community the more professional teams are joining, they have different challenges. And after, I think one year after the public launch, we've realized that we need to pivot and we are building not a manufacturer, but we are building kind of project management tool for advertisers. And that boosted us a lot. And okay, since we've realized there is a new vision, there is a new challenge, we've started to talk to different prospects and started to collect a different feedback. And we've realized that the pain is even bigger than we were thinking about.
0: Well, let's switch to team then. So how did you go about building your team? And and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you?
1: People is the biggest treasure, actually, and uh, people are their major resource. Probably it's the biggest challenge for the founder to hire first employees and to find a partner or a co-founder. In this particular project, I'm a solo founder and, you know, I've heard a lot of uh, questions from investors and from potential partners. Saying like, okay, it's too risky because, you know, you need to have uh, co-founders because it's uh, this is a high responsibility and there are a lot of risks and you need to share it because it's very difficult to handle everything. It's hard, but it's doable. And same with the team. You know, my biggest support is my team. You know, I'm grateful to the team for our current success. I would put it this way. And I was lucky in a way, as I mentioned, I actually joined the first project where I had a CTO co-founder, so technical co-founder, and he actually had a team. And when I joined the project and I became CEO and actually he left, so I became a leader of this team. And when we've started to think about this new project, which we are working on currently, they all followed me to this one. And I would say I was lucky in a way. And uh, of course, you know, we had some turnover but not much, so we're still a small team of eleven people. We are totally remote. We are working out of six countries. We've been working together for I would say nearly five years, bearing in mind the first project as well. I don't have much experience like in hiring engineers or designers, but yeah, I think it's a very it's a very important, you know, step and I think a lot of your success depends on your team.
0: Let's flip to the scalability then. And this will be interesting to hear because it always varies how people approach this in, in the very beginning. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one? Or are you fighting this as you grow and gain traction with Fused?
1: There is no university where somebody... Teaches you how to, you know, build a company or how to scale. I think it relates to everything. It relates to operations. It, it relates to business development. It relates to building a team and scaling the team. Being a startup, uh, usually you have a lack of resources. First of all, even though you raise like first funds, cash is the king, and you're you are trying to be very efficient in spendings, and uh, that usually means that you hire not senior guys doesn't matter whether you're talking about engineers or you're talking about sales or marketing professionals all together you grow with the project and if you are able to keep the same pace of self-development of responsibility it's automatically delivers a very strong result in terms of business growth you know i've done so many mistakes and i think that you know it's hard to avoid this because you know you don't know how to uh build processes even though you used to work so as uh, talking to my uh, about myself i used to work in the big corporations where i've seen some processes but again you have a specific role a specific position and you have a lot of support you have legal support you have financial support you have like you know customer support so you don't even think of it because everything is already organized around you. So you do your job when you start building your company. So you need to build all the processes from scratch. Like Most of the time you don't know where to start, how to start. So again, you irritate not only with the product, not only with features, not only with the, you know, the vision, but you irritate with building this operational, you know, processes. If you have a uh, great team if your employees understand why they join if they like the idea if they trust you so it's going to be fine
0: so vicky as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built what are you most proud of
1: once i got a very good uh, piece of advice from uh, one of my mentors and he told me okay just every week write down a win of the week it might be something really small. I don't know, you deliver a feature or maybe it might be something big. You know, you signed uh, you signed up an investor, you signed up a customer or you hired a new great engineer. doesn't matter. So every week, just write down one win. And when you feel distressed or disencouraged or, you know, like you feel that you are done, you don't have tracks to keep going, Just read through this list. And actually, this is a very helpful thing. And I keep practicing it. I've learned to appreciate things and uh, all our accomplishments. But talking about, you know, the biggest, it's hard to say, you know, there are many. I don't know. Maybe the the most important one is still people. People who, who are behind your back, doesn't matter what. Uh, who supports you and who trusts you and who are sharing same dreams. I think this is the biggest achievement.
0: Well, let's flip the script a little bit. Tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it.
1: So I remember how I raised uh, my first funds. When you go to your investor, of course, you are trying to sell the vision and some short-term, mid-term goals you're going to achieve having these resources in your hand. Uh, but in fact, the reality is completely different. So, you know, one of my most favorite books called The Hockey Stick Principles, it's about failures and startups. So the thing is that the process is not linear. It's never linear, right? So it's more like exponential. So it takes you a lot of months of not even growth, but I don't know, like you're passing the the death valley. You're not earning money. So you have some resources and uh, there is a hope that at the end of this, you hope that somewhere after 12, maybe 13, 14 months, you actually meet this exponential growth, so you show the good traction. You go to the next investment round, you raise funds, and everything is going to be fine and shiny and great. But in fact, the reality is completely different. And my biggest mistake, especially you know, in this first project, I was so scared that I'm not delivering, that I'm you know behind my my own like expectations and my goals. I was so scared talking to my investors. And, uh, you know, when it's already kind of late and they leave, they think, okay, everything's fine. And then very last minute you you come to them and say like, okay, guys, we have a problem. it's more harder to get their support and same with the team. You know, when team understands, okay, this, this is, this is the plan and we are behind this plan or we had this plan. So at least they understand what's going on. And on one hand, they're trying to support you in terms of product development, for instance, which can deliver better, results in terms of sales for instance on one hand on the other hand you know they understand that okay it's a mutual effort and we are behind the plan so we should be ready to some liquidity issues for instance so whenever you communicate this both groups of people are ready to support you as a founder you don't have to be afraid communicate the reality you know what's going on
0: so Vicky, tell me, what does the future look like for Views, the product, and for your team?
1: You know, it's a stage we've just started to pick up, to take off with our corporate sales. And uh, the good thing about it, that we've started to get incoming requests from really big brands like Galerie Lafayette, uh, Disney, Dentsu. And uh, since we still don't have a marketing uh, strategy or like marketing uh, team, it's purely organic at this point. But the good thing that it became kind of hmm, word of mouth thing, and maybe in a way like product like growth. So we are currently shifting to aggressive uh, aggressive sales into into big brands, and um, you know in terms of numbers, I would say that for the next uh, twelve months, our goal is to hit. Uh, $5 million uh, in annual recurring revenue.
0: Well, let's switch to you, Vicky. Who influences the way that you work? Name someone or multiple people or something you look up to and why.
1: There are so many people. (laughs) Early on, I think parents uh, and like my tennis coach and my teachers. And, uh, you know, every actually... I. You know, I can say like every day I meet new people who inspire me a lot. It might be, I don't know, scientists or, uh, entrepreneurs or actually whoever. So it's, uh, like, it's difficult to name just specific people or characters. I don't know. And probably books as well. So I'm just open-minded. I keep looking around and this is uh, a reason why I fell in love in like building a company because you know, being a founder, uh, you are able to meet a lot of people like potential counterparts or mentors or investors. And you keep learning a lot like every day from all of these people.
0: So we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different? Or where would you consider taking a different approach?
1: You know, I wouldn't have uh, changed anything at all. (laughs) I think that, you know, maybe it's a faith, so maybe it's a destiny, I don't know, but... uh, uh it it was my path you know to learn things uh, to get experience and to get to the point where where i am now and to build uh, a company like like used uh, with all its uh achievements at this stage so you know it's very difficult so you should you should probably learn from your mistakes and keep analyze it Uh, analyzing it and uh, not to repeat them in like again and again and again, but uh, I don't think that we should change anything.
0: (laughs) Well, last question, Vicky. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world and can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit?
1: Don't be afraid to, to fail. Uh, it's a very important part of your adventure on on the way to your success. So just uh, be passionate, do whatever you really love and uh, enjoy it. And uh, don't be afraid. (laughs) Don't be afraid. Yeah.
0: I think that's fantastic advice. Well, Vicky, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Vust.
1: Sure, my pleasure.
0: And this concludes another chapter